Saturday morning, words and coffee. Back today, after taking quite a bit of the summer off. I hope you had a great summer. I decided to do what I wanted to do on weekends and not worry about too much scheduled stuff, because there was going to be enough of that coming down the pipe. Uh, Today, taking a look at Moby Dick. We don't read a lot of uh, prose on Saturday morning words and coffee, but I think I should. I think I should do more excerpts from from books and things as opposed to just concentrating on poetry because there's so much good stuff out there, of course. Uh, Moby Dick, a famous book, maybe not so famous for you if you had to read it in high school. I don't know if they still make people read it in high school or not. 1851 novel uh, by Herman Melville. And it is, of course, about whaling. At one point, it was called the Great American Novel, I believe. I don't know if it's still regarded as that. It's it's a lot to handle, I think, for, for young people. Sometimes I wonder why they make young people read some of the stuff they make them read, if indeed they make them read this stuff anymore. Um, because it, it's boring. <laughs> it's only, you know, I revisited Moby Dick, uh, revisited Moby Dick recently, and... Uh, was way more into it and was much more into the machinations of uh, whaling and what went into it and what these people did in the 1800s on the high seas. I found it much more fascinating than I did when I was younger. When I was younger, I liked the adventure part of it and especially the ending, which I thought was pretty cool when the whale gets his revenge. So here we are, chapter 69 called The Funeral and the Whale, a whale, not the famous movie deck, but a whale has been uh, caught and has been dismembered, and now they're going to let the carcass go because they've taken all the blubber and everything they want from it, and uh, they're going to let the carcass go, and that's where we're at in this scene. And here is Chapter 69, The Funeral from Moby Dick. Haul in the chains. Let the carcass go astern, he said. The vast tackles have now done their duty. The peeled white body of the beheaded whale flashes like a marble sepulchre. Though changed in hue, it has not perceptibly lost anything in bulk. It is still colossal. Slowly it floats more and more away, the water round it torn and splashed by the insatiate sharks, and they are above vexed with rapacious flights of screaming fowls, whose beaks are like so many insulting poniards in the whale. The vast white Headless phantom floats further and further from the ship, and every rod that it so floats, what seem square roods of sharks and cubid roods of fowls, augment the murderous din. For hours and hours from the almost stationary ship that hideous sight is seen. Beneath the unclouded and mild azure sky, upon the fair face of the pleasant sea, wafted by the joyous breezes, that great mass of death floats on and on, till lost in infinite perspectives. There is a most doleful and most mocking funeral. The sea vultures all in pious mourning, the air sharks all punctiliously in black were speckled. In life, but a few of them would have helped the whale, if peradventure it had needed it. But upon the banquet of his funeral they most piously do pounce. O horrible vulturism of earth, from which not the mightiest whale is free. Nor is this the end. Desecrated as the body is, a vengeful ghost survives and hovers over it to scare. Espied by some timid man of war, 
or blundering discovery vessel from afar, when the distance obscuring the swarming fowls nevertheless still shows the white mass floating in the sun and the white spray heaving high against it. Straight away the whale's unharming corpse with trembling fingers is set down in the logbook. Shoals, rocks, and breakers hereabout, beware, they would write. And for years afterwards, perhaps, ships shun the place, leaping over it as silly sheep leap over a vacuum because their leader originally leaped there when a stick was held. There's your law of precedence. There's your utility of traditions. There's the story of your obstinate survival of old beliefs, never bottomed on the earth, and now not even hovering in the air. There's orthodoxy. Thus, while in life, the great whale's body may have been a real terror to his foes, in his death, his ghost becomes a powerless panic to a world. Are you a believer in ghosts, my friend? There are other ghosts in the Cock Lane one, and far deeper men than Dr. Johnson who believe in them. And that is chapter 69, with a whole ton of stuff we can go through. One thing that, as I was reading, I was like, wow, he really likes alliteration, doesn't he? <laughs> and piously do pounce, and things like that. Um, so yes, we've had the, the whale cut loose, and now the funeral, as it is, uh, the banquet for his funeral, of course, is the air sharks, which are the birds, and the uh, sea vultures, which are the sharks. And then there's a chapter in Moby Dick where he goes into great detail on what sharks do to the body of a uh, floating whale. The part that uh, struck me the most, and you might find some stuff from today, is just how you can get people to be afraid of things uh, just by mentioning them or ha having them see something they're not sure, quite sure what they see. And that's what he's getting at here with desecrated as the body is, a vengeful ghost survives and hovers over it to scare. What he's talking about is uh, ships. So the man of war is a ship. And uh, as a, and discovery vessel is, of course, a science vessel like, say, the Beagle that uh, Charles Darwin was on. But, uh, you know, set down with trembling figures in the logbook, shoals, rocks, breakers, hereabouts, beware. So captains of these ships in the distance are seeing this massive colossal whale corpse with uh, waves lapping up against it, and they're writing it down as a, maybe a shoal or rocks or a breaker there and avoiding the place. And because of those reports, future ships are avoiding the area not realizing that the whale's long gone and there's nothing there. It's actually quite safe to pass through there. But because of what's come before, uh, they're, they're afraid of it and they don't go and revisit the place. And I find that a, an interesting metaphor for even probably things that you would see today, that things that are in our past or that we hear, that we see on Twitter or written down somewhere, rather than go investigate it ourselves, uh, we take people's word for it whether that's uh, scientific people or uh, religious or right on down to your little sister telling you something, right? It's uh, not going and looking for yourself and being afraid for years afterward on something that you haven't even seen yourself is an interesting metaphor, I think. At the end uh, for today, a metaphor that I'm using for today anyway, maybe I'm trying a little too hard, but um, at the end here, at the end of the chapter when he says, are you a believer in ghosts, my friend? There are other ghosts than the Cock Lane one, and far deeper men than Dr. Johnson who believe in them. That's a reference to a haunting uh, that was taking place in, that took place in London, or at least a story of a haunting, back in uh, the 1760s. And it became quite a place to visit, 
Uh, supposedly someone had been murdered there and the place was haunted and the public would visit and there were seances and things. The Dr. Johnson that he's referring to was a writer and a big thinker in, uh, in England at the time and he did a, an investigation into whether or not the place was haunted and he said, nah, it's not haunted. So that's what he's saying. Are you a believer in ghosts, my friend? There are other ghosts than the Cock Lane one and far deeper men than Dr. Johnson who believe in them. And again, that's a little jibe there, isn't it? Are you saying, you know, there's people that are smarter, even than Dr. Johnson, who's regarded as one of the smartest people that ever lived, that still believe in fairy tales and ghost stories and maybe things that they should go and look at for themselves and make their own decisions rather than believe things that were written down by others who were mistaken. And that's uh, from Moby Dick. And if you have several hours or days to set aside you might want to take a look at it or just leave through it one thing i like about moby dick is you can leave through it and pick chapter by chapter it doesn't all have to revolve around the plot and i think that was one of the knocks on the book actually as he goes into such great detail about the whaling but i kind of like it and we'll see you next time on saturday morning words and coffee bye-bye